When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. On this episode of Newt's World, I'm really pleased to welcome my guest today, Senator Joe Lieberman. We've known each other for more than 30 years. And when we were in Congress, he was a Democrat from Connecticut, and of course, I'm a Republican from Georgia. But we managed to find common ground to work together on key issues that were facing the country in the years we served together. And that's the subject of his new book, the Centrist Solution, How We Made Government Work and Can Make It Work Again, Reaching Across the Aisle to Get Things Done in a way that I think we'd both agree really doesn't happen anymore. Senator Lieberman was the Democratic vice presidential nominee in 2000, served 24 years in the U.S. Senate, retiring in January 2013. During his tenure, Senator Lieberman helped shape legislation in virtually every major area of public policy. He served in many leadership roles, including as chairman of the Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs, where he led numerous congressional investigations, including investigations into Enron's collapse, the federal government's response to Hurricane Katrina, the Fort Hood mass shooting, and the deadly attack in Benghazi, Libya. Prior to being elected to the Senate, Senator Liebman served as the Attorney General of the State of Connecticut for six years. He also served 10 years in the Connecticut State Senate, including three terms as majority leader. He is currently senior counsel at Kasowitz Benson Torres, a New York law firm. I'm really pleased to welcome my guest and my good friend, Senator Joe Lieberman. I am delighted 
to have a chance to talk with somebody who I regard as a close personal friend and a colleague, and we've done lots of things over the years. And in fact, I was particularly honored yesterday because his wife, Hadassah, introduced me at a speech in New York and said a number of glowing things, some of which were even true. Joe Lieberman <laughs> is a remarkable guy. And we have some things that are intriguing. When we did research for this, I didn't realize that your earliest big political memory was the election of Eisenhower. And you write in your new book, The Centrist Solution, How We Made Government Work and Can Make It Work Again, which I agree with totally. You said, my grandmother and I were quite logically supporting Eisenhower. As the evening went on, it became clear to me that my father and mother were supporting Stevenson, which puzzled and irritated me. <laughs> but I was only 10. And besides, in the end, I won, and that was what's counted. What I want to know is, why did your grandmother support Eisenhower? Oh, I think it was totally because he was a hero. I mean, he was the American general who, in many ways, was responsible for you know, defeating the Nazis and all that that involves. So she couldn't understand. And as a 10-year-old, I couldn't understand how my mother and father supported this guy, Stevenson. Who was he? You know, what had he done compared to Ike? That was why. But that sort of explains your whole career, because at some deep level, you've always been more than a traditional Democrat. And in fact, I noticed that after your sophomore year in college, you volunteered to work for Abe Ribicoff, who I thought represented a brand of classic liberalism that was focused in a common sense way on solving problems. And that really represented a generation that was into governing as opposed to just politics. And it seems to me you sort of caught that particular bug. The time I've known you, you've always started started with, you know, what is it we could get done together as opposed to how can we fight each other? Yeah, thanks, Dude. I was very lucky that I got to know Abe Ribicoff. I wasn't really following closely when he was elected governor, I think in 1954. Again, I was only 12 then. But uh, I went back and read it. And, you know, in his first term, Abe was a Democrat. The Connecticut legislature was Republican. He gave a really excellent inaugural address, I think it was, or first state of the state, in which he essentially said to the members of the assembly, you're a majority Republican, I'm a Democrat, we can fight each other for the next two years, or we can work together, compromise, and get something done. And it's not unethical to compromise, he said in the speech. He titled The Integrity of Compromise. It did have an effect on me. I worked for him one summer during college. Oh, I guess it was 1963. And, you know, it was a small office and there were only three interns. He only had about 10 staff. So I got to spend time with him and he taught me a lot. And it was all about, I mean, he right away was accepted across a broad range of his colleagues. Uh, the conservative Southern Democrats, who really were the powerhouses then, and his Republican colleagues. And he put a lot of really important agreements together and passed some great legislation. I actually tell a story in the book. I'll tell it just quickly. He got asked to speak at the Senate prayer breakfast. And as far as he knew, he might have been the first Jewish senator to be asked to do that. And he knew that I was religious. So he called me in and asked me if I could draft the speech for him, first draft. And the topic that I'm one of the titans of the Senate. I think it was Richard Russell or James Eastland gave him. 
for the talk would be that the God of the Old Testament is a God of vengeance. True or false? What a thing to end up doing as a summer intern at the senator's office. So I actually spoke to a professor of Jewish studies at Yale where I was a student. Which, of course, we said, no, not a God of vengeance, a loving father who wants the best for his children, all of us. And he went off and delivered the speech. He came back and said, my colleagues loved it. And Joe, I think this is one of the most important things I could have done at the beginning of my career in the Senate. And I had a laugh at it. It was just sort of a twist of fate. But he did develop relations with those titans of the Senate, who had different points of view from him, but they respected him a lot, and they negotiated a lot, and as a result, he got a lot done for Connecticut and the country. He was a mentor and a real role model for me. Hey, Newt, I want to say about you, Hadassah loved introducing you yesterday, and, you know, she and I both feel the same admiration for you. It's just been a wonderful to work with you, and I highlight in this book your in a way, surprisingly productive relationship during the 90s with President Clinton, in which you each smart, each policy wants, and each having desire to get something done. And, you know, look what came out, a welfare reform, criminal justice reform, and the greatest of all, I think, Balanced Budget Act, which helped to stimulate the economy and actually put the budget for the next three years into surplus. And that's because of the way you approach your work as speaker. So you're one of the stars of the book. And so I'm so happy to talk to you. Now you're I do have to make sure people get the centrist solution, how we made government work and can make it work again, because, right. you know, it's a little self-serving. You know, I remember you and I could always talk. In fact, you may remember you called me, I think, right after I got elected speaker and I gave some speech on television. And you called me and said you and Hadassah had watched the speech the night before, and you kept saying, gosh, I agree with that. And that, to me, was one of the signals. That conversation with you was one of the signals, you know, if we could find a way to reach out, you could create a bipartisan majority. And I have to give some credit to Bill Clinton, because despite what happened later in his career, Clinton had a natural instinct that he was president to serve the country, not just to serve the left wing of the Democratic Party. To get to a balanced budget, we spent 35 days negotiating face-to-face. Well, as you know, because you've done it, you were the Senate majority leader in the Connecticut Senate, so you know you've got to take time with people if you're going to get things done. And I'm very curious in that sense, because it seems to me your career at one level has to be a little bit frustrating. I mean, you were a great leader. You're clearly one of the most important defenders of Israel and somebody who has had a very deep passion for national security. And you co-chaired the Bipartisan Commission on Biodefense, so you must have watched the last year with a certain sense of horror. And since 2014, you were an honorary founding chairman of No Labels, which is a real effort to bring together Democrats and Republicans, and which I think at one level has actually made some progress despite the atmospherics and the hostility. But did you apply back in the Connecticut Senate the same kind of principle of reaching across and of trying to find a way to build a bipartisan majority? Yeah, that was a great training ground for me. And again, just as with you and Clinton, 
you know, the old line, it takes two to tango. It, it takes two leaders or two parties to break the gridlock and get something done for the people and for the state or country. And Connecticut was a partisan state, but that didn't stand in the way of us working together. And during the six years, particularly, that I was majority leader of the Connecticut State Senate, there were two men who were the Republican leaders, Dick Bazzuto and Lou Rome. These were just great people. And honestly, we would meet pretty much every day to discuss the calendar for the day. And we always divided it in three after we talked to our caucus. This part we agree on, so let's get it done unanimously. This part we don't agree on, so we're probably going to just not take it up. And this part we don't agree on now, but maybe if we work on it, we can negotiate a compromise. And more often than not, we did. But just what you said before, Newt, you've got to know people, you've got to trust people, it even helps to like people to be able to have those kinds of relationships. But my years in the Connecticut State Senate, 10, and particularly the sixth majority leader working with those Republican leaders, really gave me a lesson. I mean, some of this is so obvious that you wonder why people don't do it all the time, which is, in most legislative bodies, certainly in the Senate of the United States, you're rarely, rarely going to get anything significant done with the votes of only one party. So if you really came to Washington to get something done, to be part of change in a good direction, then you better negotiate or have friends in the other party. And honestly, I made it a rule. I never introduced anything that I was really a priority for me in the Senate unless I had a Republican co-sponsor. At least I knew I had a chance to get it passed, which is what it's all about. Today, you don't see that as much. And again, I want to come back to your relationship with Bill Clinton. Because at the beginning, when you carried that historic sweep of the House to Republicans in 1994, people said, oh, my God, this is going to be civil war for the coming years in Washington. But you and Clinton developed a sort of trust in each other. But as you said, it took time. You can't just plunk, fly in from somewhere on a given day, sit down and negotiate with somebody you don't really know or like or trust and think you're going to get anything done. It, it doesn't work that way. But to your credit and Clinton's, you took the time and you really did some things that are historic. I think both of us had this sense, and maybe it's because we're children of the greatest generation who fought World War II, and they had a real sense of American patriotism. And we both had this idea that we actually had a responsibility to the country to try to find some way to work together. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh no, I meant those blackout motorized shades, MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. 
He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo play you know i'd never read it until i saw it in your book the centrist solution but your quote from john adams and i'm going to read it because i think people need to realize how real this is adams writes there is nothing i dread so much as a division of the republic into two great parties each arranged under its leader and concerting measures in opposition to each other. This, in my humble apprehension, is to be dreaded as the greatest political evil under our Constitution. And I think that's part of what Bill and I try to avoid. Sort of the way you just, in fact, you and I use very similar models about what is it you have to have, what is it you can't have, and then what's in the middle where we can find a deal, where we can get something done. Exactly. What we're experiencing now in Washington, it was the nightmare and the great fear of a lot of the founding generation. Adams, that quote, says it bluntly and disconcertingly. George Washington has a few sentences in his inaugural address that warn of the same, of the dangers that people elected to office in Washington would be more loyal to what he called their political faction, which we call parties today, than they would to the country. And that would compromise not only the unity of the country, but ultimately its independence. Because back then, their independence was not a guaranteed thing. Today it is. But, of course, we hurt ourselves by the disunity and division and constant attack, counterattack that exists in Washington. I thought in the recent election in Virginia particularly, and in, in the closeness of the one in New Jersey, the you know, again, the ultimate answer in our system, thank God, is the voters. And the voters sent a message that, in this case, they don't particularly like the direction in which the Democratic Party is going, which is leftward and toward a whole value system, 
defund the police, oh my goodness, tell this wokeness in public education that the people don't want. And hopefully the people who are dominant in the Democratic Party will hear that, including President Biden, and not defer so much to the left wing of the party, which really doesn't represent, in my opinion, the values or interests of the great majority of the American people. You know, Theodore White in his remarkable making of the president in 1972 has a line where he said that the problem that McGovern faced in trying to deal with the left was that the liberal ideology had become a liberal theology. And where you could have debates about the ideology, the theology demanded obedience. It seems to me that in your career, part of what affected the trajectory of your career was the gradual transition of your party from a great, extraordinary collection of people across a very broad range of ideologies to an increasingly selective and anti-dissent kind of forced uniformity. As you were living through that, I mean, how did you, in your own mind, cope with the transitions that were underway, particularly, I think, after the 2000 election? Yeah. Unfortunately, I think you've described it accurately. I mean, you know, the first off on the two-party system, as you well know, Newt, the remarkable thing in American political life is the resilience of the two-party system, because some people probably think the two parties are required by the Constitution. They're not mentioned at all, nor is there other laws that ordain that we should only have two parties. But they've built up over the years. They have a resilience to them. And of course, as they gain power, they begin to use legal power to protect what one of the professors at Harvard, Michael Porter, calls their duopoly, not monopoly, but the duopoly of the two parties. So what's happened in recent times, and I could speak for the Democratic Party, because they have been and still are a registered Democrat, even though the last election of mine I was elected as an independent, is that the party has become more narrow and narrow. And that's not the way it was meant to be. By narrow, I mean dominated by a group of people who think they have, you might say, inherited truths and are not willing to listen to other people. And ultimately, I fear that some of them think that they know better what the people want or should want than the people know. So, you know, the social entitlement bill that's being considered now alongside the more traditional infrastructure bill in Congress has a lot of, you know, attractive, appealing programs to people. And I think a lot of the Democrats supporting them feel that they're not only consistent with their ideology, which is to grow government, have government play a much larger role. But of course, people will like them. But, you know, people are smart. And first off, now they're beginning to think, as we saw in some of the polling in Virginia and New Jersey, hey, we're going to have to pay for this stuff with taxes. And the second thing is, which the people on the left wing of the Democratic Party are totally unfocused on, is that cultural values, defunding the police, the kind of open borders philosophy, just turn people off. And the, the education wokeness in the elementary and public schools, the parties only win when they put together coalitions. Incidentally, the Republican candidate in Virginia put together a very interesting and somewhat unique coalition of traditional Republican voters, rural Republican voters, suburban voters who were turned off by this leftward drift 
of the Democratic Party, even though most of them had not voted for Trump last year, and working class people who for decades in my political career voted for Democrats almost reflexively, and now they feel the Democrats don't reflect their point of view, not only economically, but as you know, Newt, it's always a fascinating insight, and it's real. A lot of lower-income people, minority people, African-American, Hispanic-American, mainstream cultural values, patriotic, religious, and they don't like the way the left-wing Democrats are taking the party. And I think they spoke up in various ways the other day. Joe, I want to thank you for joining me. I think your new book, The Centrist Solution, How We Made Government Work and Can Make It Work Again, is so helpful in this political age where we lack true bipartisanship. And I want to let our listeners know we'll have a link to purchase The Centrist Solution on our show page at newtsworld.com. You're quite welcome. Thank you for all your leadership. And I'll just end with this story. 1994, you swept the House Republican. I got reelected and I promised my wife we'd go to Florida. So we're there and it's raining, you know? So we turn on the television, we're flipping the dial and we get to C-SPAN of all places. And there is the soon-to-be speaker, Newt Gingrich. And you gave a talk which was just so big and broad and civilization and historic. And I turned to Hadassah and I said, you know, this guy is really somebody (laughs) that we should get to know. He's on to something. He's a big thinker and a big doer. And she agreed with me. So that's the way, as they say in the movie, our beautiful friendship began. And God willing, it'll go on for a long time. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you, Nude. All the best. Thank you to my guest, Senator Joseph Lieberman. You can get a link to buy his new book, The Centrist Solution, How We Made Government Work and Can Make It Work Again, on our show page at newtsworld.com. Newtsworld is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan. And our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.